Are you ready? This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, folks? It's Rich, My Take Radio 82, for Thursday, March 10th, 2011. The intro music you just heard was Street Fighter 2, Threats of Fury, and the artist was Vertex Guy. Actually, no. I think that was actually The Omen of Geneva, and the artist was Neckle Frog 1. Either way, it was one of those two, so I apologize if I mixed it up. Uh, you can get that and any of the other previously used intro music at ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, Remix. .org. The caller number is 347-324-3541. Again, that caller number is 347-324-3541. All right, a lot of stuff this week, lots to discuss. Um, we got a guest this week. It's going to be Brendan Schaub, UFC heavyweight. He will be facing Mirko Krokop next Saturday at UFC 128. He should be calling in around 1115. So I'm going to try and just run through some of the housekeeping stuff real quick because there is a lot. Um, of course, there's a lot of great new content on MyTakeRadio.com. And also, we are officially part of the Android App Store. You can download our new MyTakeRadio app at the AppBrain App Store. It's uh, $1.99. You can get it there, and you can also get it in the iTunes Store for your Apple devices, whether it's an iPad or an iPhone. You'll get access to exclusive content. Right now it's the Minority Film Report, which Slick has been doing a kick-ass job of keeping keeping afloat while I'm not around. And, of course, there's a host of other stuff, exclusive wallpapers and other exclusive content you'll be able to pick up in the App Store. So pick up the app. It's $1.99. It's cheaper than a latte. And you'll be able to have MTR on the go with you at all times. So definitely check it out if you get a chance. The T-shirts are, for the time being, um, let's just say they're out of commission just because I needed to make some design changes, but I guarantee you that they will be back up very soon. In addition to that, we also have a new member to the MTR family. Um, I'd like to welcome our newest staff member, and that would be Mist. Uh, Mist was actually a listener that came aboard during the Amazing Reds' first interview on My Take Radio, and she's been a loyal listener ever since. She solidified herself as a great addition to the staff with her coverage on the ICW event that happened here recently in Queens with Loki and Amazing Red as the main event. She wrote a badass article, and I realized that that was talent that was sorely uh, needed here at MTR just to get an extra, an extra dose of, of wrestling knowledge Myself and Bronx, we try and carry the torch as best as we can, but Mist actually is able to hold it down with some indie coverage. She also has some really great knowledge of certain wrestlers that I've only seen a little bit of, and she follows a little bit more extensively, so I definitely would like to welcome her aboard. Um, Her information is on our staff page. If you see her on Twitter, just stop through, say what's up. She also runs the Amazing Red fan page, 
So you can check that out as well if you're a fan of Amazing Red and you want to help support her work. That fan page is up to 200 fans, and she's doing a very great job. So with that, she is officially a member of the staff, so you can keep an eye out for lots of wrestling coverage from her in the weeks to come. Uh, she should be covering the ICW event tomorrow, from what she mentioned to me, and uh, she will provide her insight and knowledge in regards to that as well. Um, MTR has been going through a little bit of a, of a makeover, so to speak. There's certain things you're going to see new to the site. We added a new plugin that's going to allow you to see related topics that will go towards certain articles that you're reading, and a couple of other things are being added as well. Slick is also going to be sharing his Archer and Young Justice review tomorrow, um, so keep an eye out for that as well, and also a review of the Adjustment Bureau, so definitely check that out. Um, you can also check out Ant's review that he posted recently, and just a ton of great content from a lot of our great staff at MTR, so definitely I'm proud of those guys. I'm proud to call them colleagues and friends, so definitely stop by, check their stuff out, and hit that comment button. Let them know if you like, you dislike, what you'd like to see. Don't just use the Facebook fan page. I know, I know, it's hard to let go of that Facebook titty and go outside into the sunshine with the rest of us, but let go. Become a part of the site. Interact. Share your knowledge there. Share it in our forums, mytakeradio.com slash forums. I'm sure that many of the listeners that are in there would love to hear from you. So with that said, um, if I sound a little wired, I've had a rough week. I apologize. Haven't been sleeping well been drinking a lot of Red Bull and Monster Energy to keep me afloat. I have a leak in my roof in my house. Fucking sucks. It's obviously raining here in New York City, so needless to say, I'm a little distracted just because I'm worried about my roof continuing to leak, even though there's a giant sheet of plastic on my roof. So if I sound a little out of it, my apologies in advance, but I keep an open book with you guys, so I figured I'd share that with you. Tonight's topics. We're going to talk about Monday Night Raw, especially John Cena's answer to The Rock. I will be responding to John Cena via rap in the wrestling segment, so keep an eye out for that. Um, I am a new iPad owner. I'm going to share my thoughts on the iPad as well as some of the new Android tablets that I got to mess around with this week. In addition to that, we got some movie news. We got some video game news. The controversy with Thor and um, Idris Elba's uh, involvement in the Thor project continues to rear its ugly head. I'm definitely going to get into that a little bit. So... Ton of stuff going on. Like I said, Brendan's going to be joining us at 11.15. So much to talk about with him, especially with his fight with Crow Cop next week. And um, definitely want to know what, what he's been doing, especially after the Ultimate Fighter, how he's grown as a fighter. And just being a part of this huge thing that we know as MMA, definitely would love to hear all his thoughts. So keep an eye out for that around 11.15, 11.20 or so. So with that, I'm going to get a little bit of MMA news out of the way. I wanted to talk about the welterweight uh, Bellator tournament, and I also wanted to talk about the uh, Fei Zhao and Henderson card that happened this past weekend. Oh, man, it's just way too much, and I don't know if three hours is going to be able to contain it all, but you know what? Let's get right into this MMA, shall we? All right, that intro was shit. Damn you, Blog Talk Radio. Damn you to hell. Anyway, I'm sure that I will be having to fix that in post-production, but nonetheless, let's talk some MMA news first. Shark fights. 
14 will be taking place this Friday in the Fair Park City Coliseum in Lubbock, Texas. You'll be able to watch that on HDNet. I'm going to try and cover other organizations besides uh, the UFC and Strike Force, given that there's so much other talent out there that you guys are probably missing. Um, I shared on our fan page earlier today um, a fight with Joaquin Spirit Wolf, who is a maniac. He is a maniac, I tell you. Um, every fight I've seen him in is just a bloodbath and just real exciting to watch. I, share, I shared his last fight on our Facebook fan page, so definitely check it out. If, if you haven't, I recommend you do. Um, but Shark Fights will be happening this Friday, March 11th. And on the main card, you've got Matt Horwich. He's fighting Danilo Villafort. You've got some women's MMA with Karina Dam. She's going to be fighting Tara La Rosa. Um, you're going to have uh, this guy's name I'm going to fuck up, and I'm sorry. Uh, Mikel Bronzoulis. He's going to be fighting Todd Moore, Alex Sisney, and Eric Davila. You've got Joseph Sandoval and uh, Sean Shakur on the main card. On the prelims, you got Kyle Bracey and Greg Huval, Aaron Garcia and Ben Medina, Lane Hernandez and Gabe Vasquez, Donnie Fry, and wow, this guy's name is Quaint Kemp, and I'm sure I probably messed that up in some shape, way, or form, and a ton of other fights as well, so I recommend you guys check that out. Of course, Michael Schiavello will be sharing his awesome-ass commentary, so I'd, I'd tune in just for that, but I definitely want to see that Matt Horwich and Danilo Villafort fight, as well as the Karina Dam and Tara La Rosa fight. So definitely two fights that jump out in my book. In addition to that, MMA Valor shared his picks for that card, and they will be uploaded later on this evening. And, of course, you can check him out at MMAValor.com since he is one of our content partners. In some UFC news, UFC 129 is coming together quite nicely. A new bout was added. It's a light heavyweight showdown between Jason Brills and Vladimir Matyshenko. That's official for UFC 129. That rounds out a card with the champion, of course, GSP, taking on Jake Shields for the welterweight strap. You got Jose Aldo and Mark Hominick for the featherweight title, or Jose, depending on who's pronouncing the guy's name. Randy Couture's fighting Lyoto Machida. I'm super excited for that fight. We're going to see if Machida's elusive style will be enough to stop the freight train known as Captain America. We shall see. Like I said, Brills and Matyshenko, you got Mark Bocek and Benson Henderson, which is going to be ridiculous. On the Spike TV prelims, you got Nate Diaz and Rory McDonald squaring off. And, of course, Brian Foster and Sean Pearson are going to round out that Spike TV card. On the prelims, you got Pablo Garza and Eve Jabudin, Claude Patrick and Daniel Roberts, Ivan Menjavar and Charlie Valencia, and, of course, Jason McDonald, Ryan Jensen, and uh, John Magdesi and Kyle Watson. I'm surprised that... Uh, the Jason McDonald fight didn't make it onto Spike TV, but you never know. We still may get a chance to see it. Of course, Phil Davis was supposed to be facing Jason Brills, but when Tito Ortiz got injured, Davis was pulled from the card, and he's going to be uh, facing Antonio Hagerio Noguera at UFC Fight Night 24. So things are definitely a little shuffled, but Jason Brills will be meeting Vladdy Matyshenko, which should be a, a badass fight for sure. And, of course, UFC 129 takes shape, but not only that, UFC 131 is coming together just as well. Um, of course, Junior Dos Santos and Brock Lesnar will be your main event. Shane Carwin is rumored to be on that card, as is Kenny Florian and Diego Nunez, uh, Dustin Poirier and Ronnie Yaya, um, Omigawa and Darren Elkins, and Dave Herman should be fighting on that card, allegedly. So those are definitely some fights to look forward to uh, come June. So 
Lesnar and Dos Santos, of course, everybody's going to be watching with much interest. Not only are they coaching the ultimate fighter, but the winner will meet Cain Velasquez for the heavyweight championship. It should be very interesting to see that pan out. A lot of people are expecting Dos Santos to breeze through Brock Lesnar. I really want to see how Brock Lesnar comes back from his loss to Cain Velasquez, especially after he got that beautiful zipper under his eye, uh, courtesy of the one and only master of brown pride himself, Cain Velasquez. So we shall see what happens with UFC 131. In, in, in some news that I really wanted to relegate to the wrestling segment, but I will mention here and elaborate on further when we get to wrestling, um, according to Tatame, uh, Strikeforce Women's 145-pound champion Christian Cyborg Santos is negotiating with WWE. Uh, the report states that two weeks ago, Christian and Evangelista attended a WWE event in California. While at, while at the event, WWE reportedly offered her a contract. Word is that Cyborg is getting tired of the lack of fights in Strike Force. You know, that's that's one issue with women's MMA right now, and you know, a lot of people are quick to jump on the bandwagon and saying that women's MMA sucks and that you know there's no place for it, yada yada yada. But the fact is that the sport for for the women hasn't developed enough to allow them to to fight more contenders. I mean. They're slowly coming along, but it's just something that's going to grow gradually. And when you take somebody as dominant as Cyborg, things like this are going to happen. I mean, you know, everybody thought that her and Gina Carano were going to have this huge slug fest, and it was going to be, you know, a, a memorable fight. And it was in a way because pretty much Cyborg beat her ass out of Strike Force and sent her to do movies. Of course, it's rumored that Gina Carano will be coming back in the summer. I'm actually working on a piece about that because at this point, does anybody really give a fuck? No. I mean, Gina Carano is beautiful. She's hot. You know, there's a million different descriptions we can apply. But the fact was that she went from a, a dominant fighter to a, to somebody, and I can't knock her for it, that used the, the opportunities given to her to grow into something else. It happens. I mean, Cyborg, if she can't compete, in mixed martial arts, maybe she'd do good in wrestling. I mean, she would be great in wrestling, but believably you see a chick as badass as her lose to somebody like, say, Kelly Kelly, it would be, it would be a travesty. You know, that, that's, that's something that would definitely put a blemish on, on her legacy, especially as a dominant uh, female mixed martial artist. Things like that definitely do not work. I mean, if she comes in and she's just dominant, and she runs through the woman's division and holds on to the belt for at least six months, and maybe you groom somebody that can come in there and compete with her on a more physical level, then by all means, let's do it. But I'm not mad at her. She's got to go and look for other opportunities. There's really nobody else. I mean, Marluz Kunin is saying that she's entertaining going back up to challenge uh, Cyborg for the belt. But let's say that does happen, and, you know, either Cyborg retains or, or Marluz wins. What's that? What happens then at that, at that point? Does Cyborg train for, for a, the inevitable rematch, or does she fight a couple of more, a couple more female fighters? It, it, it's just something that can go in, in, in so many different directions, none of which are good. So if she's got to look for opportunities elsewhere, I'm not mad at her. I'm just afraid that her legacy will be tarnished because of it. I want to talk a little bit about Frankie Edgar. He was on Inside MMA recently, and he actually – brought up the concept of going into MMA overtime. He said the following when he was on there. 
I think another five-minute round would be perfect. You go into a fight, you prepare, and you want a decisive outcome. To have to wait another three months and possibly another fight is kind of annoying. I would say another round would be great. You get to figure out who's the winner right then and there. Two guys fight for a title. They're trained, they're trained, prepared. Why not get it over with right then and there? And you know what? I had been thinking about this since his appearance on Inside MMA, and I'm, and I'm probably going to create a poll and put it on the site or maybe on the fan page, but it is true. I think that when you watch The Ultimate Fighter on Spike TV, you got two rounds. If there's no winner, you go to sudden victory. Why can't you do a sudden victory in, in UFC, in, in, especially in title fights? I mean, I understand that a lot of people would like to see that on regular fights as well, but I think that the inclusion of something like that in title fights, especially at this stage in the game, would, would be something that people would want to see. I mean, title fights especially, just because you need a decisive winner. I mean, we've seen two draws already in the UFC. You know, Edgar and Maynard and um, Penn and Fitch. And, and people just, again, they were great fights, but, but we tune in to see a, a, a decisive winner. And, of course, there's always going to be that question of, did, you know, could that fighter have won? There's no, there's no room for draws nowadays. It's either you win or you lose. So I definitely like uh, the idea that Frankie Edgar mentioned. I would like to see that um, discussed further. And, and it would definitely be something that needs to be looked at, because especially for title fights where, where it, something needs, needs to change, especially with the judging the way it is. I mean, people can make all these assumptions that, you know, you shouldn't leave it in the judge's hands. But you know what? Sometimes every judge sees it differently. And as such, you've you got to be prepared for shit like that. It sucks, but I really wouldn't mind seeing a, an, an OT round or a sudden victory round, especially in title fights. So we will definitely keep an eye on that, and if it develops further, of course, I will gladly share it with you guys. In some Strike Force news, they are putting together Diaz versus Daly for April 9th. Right now, Nick Diaz will be defending his welterweight title against Paul Semtex Daly. Uh, Gilbert Melendez is going to be defending his lightweight title against Kawajiri. Um, that's going to be a, a fantastic fight. If you haven't seen Tatsuya Kawajiri fight, I recommend you look up a couple of YouTube videos and you educate yourselves. Uh, Mike Kyle will be meeting Gegard Musasi. Shinya Aoki will be fighting Lyle Beerbaum. Um, he's 5-1 and one in strike force right now. And KJ Nunes is rumored to be on that card as well. UFC 130 coming together nicely just the same. Frankie Edgar, of course, will be defending against Gray Maynard for the lightweight belt. Matt Hamill is meeting Quentin Jackson. I'm so not looking forward to that fight. There's really zero interest. I'm a fan of both guys. A win for Hamill, sure, will definitely move him up the rankings, but it, the fight just doesn't look good to me stylistically. You know, stranger things have happened. You see the fight and it ends up delivering, but right now I'm just a little hesitant. Frank Mir will be meeting Roy Nelson. We're going to find out if Big Country uh, can continue on the tear that he's been in and uh, get past Frank Mir, which is funny because I just got notified that Brendan is on the line, and ironically enough, I want to run that by him as well. So let me bring him on. Brendan, what's going on, dude? Not much, man. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. I know we've been trying to put this together for a while. Yeah, no problem. All right, so, of course, before I brought you on, I was talking about Frank Mir and um, Roy Nelson. Um, of course, a, a while back it was rumored that you were 
going to be hooking up with Frank Mir and that you had interest in fighting him. Um, is that something you still want to entertain after this Crow Cop fight next week? Would you like uh, to fight the winner? It, yeah, it, yeah if, if Frank Mir to beat Roy, I, I'd fight him. Um, I don't know about coming off a loss or, um, you know, there's a lot of good matchups for me out there after this fight, but um, man, right now I'm just focused on Crow Cop. It's a big task ahead of me, but I'd, I'd definitely take Frank Mayer if if he were to beat Roy. Well, you know, it's funny because I saw, you know, I, I heard some of the highlights from from your interview on MMA Junkie, and you know, I really liked the the comments that you were saying in regards to not looking past your respect for Crow Cop going into this fight, and I admire that. You know, you and you, you put it right there on the table in in the sense that. You respected him, but you'd have no problem putting fist to face. So I definitely wanted to give you uh, kudos for that. Yeah, you know, I, I think the last couple of fights Kokop's uh, had, it, it, you know, they've kind of been lackluster. And, it, you know, he's definitely a legend, but, uh, man, I'm going to treat him the same way as I've treated every opponent. And uh, I'm going to get in there and get after him and force him uh, to fight with me. So I, I think it's going to be a, a great fight for the fans. Well, you know, and the, I actually was, was very excited for it, especially, you know, after the Ultimate Fighter, you just went on a tear just, just putting people to sleep. You know, you, you were, I was really impressed with that. Like, you didn't let that, that one performance from the finale slow you down at all. You came through with, with, with two TKO victories. You took out Gonzaga. Um, this fight with Krokov definitely has, has major implications, at least in my eyes, because I feel that, it's going to put you up there in the upper echelon of, of, of you know, heavyweights. Yeah, that, you know, that's the plan, man. After, uh, you know, after you beat a monster in Gonzaga, um, you know, Kokop is a, a great step for me in my career. And, uh, man, I, I've never been more excited for a fight. And, you know, beating uh, uh, Gabriel Gonzaga and Mirko Kokop definitely puts you right up there with the, with the rest of the studs in the division, I think. Well, you know, it, it, was, it was funny because during your, your tenure on The Ultimate Fighter, and, and I wanted to get into that a little bit, you were, you were definitely out there, but they didn't put you out there in front of the cameras as much, so we didn't get to learn a lot about you. And I wanted to ask just about the experience in general, how, you know, how that helped you grow as a fighter. I mean, you know, you guys had no TV, no Internet. It was basically yeah. eat, train, and fight, and live with guys who you may potentially be punching in the face in a couple of weeks. How did that experience help you grow as a fighter? Uh, you know, for, for me, my experience on Tough was, was awesome. I, I knew I was there for for one reason, and, you know, that was to create a name for myself. And, man, it, it's such a great launching pad uh, for, my, for a career. And I, I knew if I just did well on that show, um, I'd definitely be headed in the right direction. And, uh, man, I, you, you find out in the house if this is something, you know, you're for a living, or if maybe you should, you know, when you get done with the show, start sending out some applications to other jobs. And I, I think a lot of guys figured that out, and, you know, for me and, uh, you know, a few other guys in the house, we realized this is this is what we're meant to do, and uh, the rest of the guys, you know, they went on about their lives, and they're not fighting anymore. So, uh, for me, it, it was just good to be around other fighters and, and see the difference uh, in talent and uh, just the character in other guys. Well, you know, when when you were on there did that when you were on there with most of those guys did you did did you think this far ahead 
that you'd grow so quickly as a fighter. You know, some guys, they pace themselves, and, you know, they kind of just, just take it one fight at a time. But you went through, you know, you went through Marcus Jones, which, you know, a lot of people were were picking him as a favorite, and you went through him in, in decisive fashion. And then, you know, the, the the Roy Nelson setback. But after that, man, it was it was lights on for you. Did you... Did you think it would come this quick, or did you feel that, you know, you'd have a little bit more time to get to this next level? Um, Man, it's definitely come quick, but uh, I'm in the gym 24-7, and, um, you know, fighting Roy in the finale was, was a huge step up for me, and, you know, I, I was pretty inexperienced at the time, and I, I've learned from that, and I think it's, it's shown in these last three fights, especially the win streak I've been on. So, um, man... I'm definitely ready. I feel like I can compete with anyone in the division, and uh, you know, I, I think Crow Cop. It, this is the right time for me to face a guy like Crow Cop. Yeah, I, I think that with, with with the Crow Cop situation, especially because of, you know a lot of guys are you know they they get caught up in 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 his hype, which, yeah, which sure. is the funny thing. They don't get caught up in their own. They get yeah. caught up in his fight. And how does it feel to fight him? And it's like, hey, what about me? I'm the one that, that that's challenging here. The yes, sir. the one thing the one thing that's been really good is that you you've maintained an even keel all the way through. And one comment I I enjoyed from you know your 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 junkie interview was the fact that you said it. I hope that me and him are buddies, but at the end I I could care less. I'm trying to win and get a convincing knockout. And you know what? That that's what it's all about, man. Nobody nobody realizes that MMA is not just sportsmanship, but it's also about getting yourself out there for people to take interest. You don't want to be a great fighter and boring in terms of selling fights. No, you, you, you and I, I hate to say it because I, I like the guy as a person and as a fighter, but you know you don't want to have the Fitch effect where you're you're winning, but you're winning by decisions. Uh, I mean, the guy's an mm-hmm. absolute stud, but, man, if, if the heavyweights go to the decision, it's not good. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, my last fight, I, I did go to decision with Gonzaga, and, and it was disappointing for me, but it was definitely good to go. exciting as hell. Yeah, it's definitely good to go three rounds, but at the same time, if this Crocop fight goes to decision, we, we both fail. Um, and there, there's a reason Dana White gave me this fight, and it's not to go to decision. Well, in, in regards to that, you usually, you know, most times you, you're, are you are you walking around usually close to fight weight most of the time, or how is the, how's the cut usually treat you when you're when you're getting ready for for a fight? Yeah, I usually uh, right now I'm about two fifty three. The the week I, I get into New Jersey, or uh, for example, my last fight was in Anaheim, and before that Vegas. The, the fight week, uh, I, I usually start weights because of nerves, and uh, I'm kind of out of my element a little bit. So I usually weigh in low 40s, man. I, I lose a lot of weight, and um, man, I'll, I'll probably come in this fight with probably around 45. So I fluctuate, man, from 40 to right now I'm 53. Oh, there you go, man. You do, you're doing. You're, you, and you try to make sure to stay not too far off, right, right so it doesn't affect your speed. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're pretty fast my biggest asset. Yeah, that's my biggest asset, and it's going to be the key to beating Krokop is speed. And, um, and, yeah, I definitely don't want to get too big. Well, you know, in, in training, I know, you know, you're training with, with Shane Carwin. I know I, I definitely noticed that that helped you with that Gonzaga fight because, you know, Gonzaga likes to come in and, and use his weight and use uh use a lot of the Thai style, but you you handled yourself really well. It was was training with uh with Carwin uh, a factor in that, and with Nate Marquardt. Oh yeah, training with uh, 
Nate and Shane and Big Todd Duffy every day. I mean, when, you, when you're getting used to those guys and seeing mm-hmm. world-class level day in and day out, uh, it, it makes a lot of, of the fights and the situations that you're putting in a lot easier. Well, you know, the, the, the funny thing is that when I watched that fight with Gonzaga, it almost, it almost seemed like he wasn't prepared for you to be able to, to, to counter the, the, the slight size difference. I think he got caught off guard with that, especially a lot of, in a lot of the exchanges where you, more, where you kept the pace put, and you pressed forward more so. I think he definitely got caught off guard, and I said to myself, yeah, training with the bigger guys is definitely helping him out there. Yeah, no doubt, man. To, uh, when Shane Carver gets on top of you know, and i got to get out, it's definitely some work. But if I can get that guy off, you can get anyone off. No I wanted to ask you, and and you know this to see what your opinion on it was. The um, you know I mentioned earlier that that Frankie Edgar had discussed um, tiebreaker rounds for for draws in MMA. How do you feel about that concept? I'm I'm all for that. Um, you know it's not too much of an issue at heavyweight. Um, even in the, a championship round, you know it's rare you can see heavyweights go five fives. And if you do, uh, it's not going to be pretty, I think, at the end, except for a few guys in the division um, that have good cardio. But uh, in Frankie Edgar, Gray Mania's fight, it's been great. And BJ Penn, Fitch, it's been great. So, um, you know, I, I think it would be good. And even without championship rounds, I, I think if the fight is that close, there should be, uh, you know, maybe a decisive round, an overtime round like they do on the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, I, I was I was saying that before. That's uh the sudden victory concept of the Ultimate Fighter would would definitely be a welcome addition, at least in title fights, because you know these these draws. I know that they, they're disheartening for the fighters, and of course, then the fans give you know they give you guys a lot of shit. You know this yeah, guy should have sure. won, that guy should have won, and, and you know I know you guys don't want to hear that. No, I, I think that definitely settles some things, and um, you know it, it, it's rare that judges get it right these days, especially when it's a, a real close fight. So uh, I think a decisive. Uh, bonus round would would be a good thing for the sport. Yeah, I, I you know if that gets instituted between that and instant replay because you know you get a lot of you know accidental pokes, accidental yep. accidental knees that you know especially uh, with you know that Rivera Bisping situation that you know rub a lot of people the wrong way and then you Tebow it and you watch it you're like hey wait a minute. Yeah, for sure they they could definitely use something like. That. I was hearing that you're also stepping up your Brazilian jiu-jitsu game now. So are we going to start seeing a little bit more uh, work from you on the ground if it goes to the ground now? Uh, man, my, my ground game is definitely an asset of mine. And, um, you know, I, I haven't had to use it just because the, the mats I've been given lately, I've had such a um, advantage in the, in the stand mm-hmm. area. So, uh, man, it, whatever uh, whatever uh, Crow Cop gives me, I'm, I'm going to take, man, whether it's a submission or knockout, um Either way, I'm, I'm fine uh, as long as I, I get a decisive win in the end. Well, you know, I, 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 this I would I would been meaning to ask you. I heard that you had um, some Golden Gloves boxing experience. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I was a Colorado uh, heavyweight uh, Golden Gloves champ, and then uh, man, uh, I spent a lot of time boxing, and um, it's definitely my, my strongest attribute. And I work on it constantly. But, uh, at the same time, jiu-jitsu is a real passion of mine, and, um, man, I, I love being on the ground as well. Well, you know, initially you went you went into mixed martial arts just to keep yourself in shape because I was reading that you had played some arena football, which, 
you know, I, I didn't even I didn't even that's one thing I didn't know about you that that you had played a uh, arena football and um that I now I know where the speed comes from. But uh what what made you want to transition over into just being a mixed martial artist full time at the, at that stage? Uh, you know, I grew up doing martial arts and uh doing some boxing jiu jitsu and my, my dad was a uh second degree black belt in taekwondo and karate so i grew up around it and the UFC was here in denver 93 so uh, for me it's always been something i've been a huge fan of and uh, it was only a matter of time before i got into it um man i i just love the sports about and uh it's my true calling in life and uh man i'm doing pretty good at it so uh you know i i'm just trying to do the best i can man so i just love the way it's going right now how is um how's your your family taking to you being a being a fighter now full time? Oh, they they love it, man. Uh, my they don't miss a fight. Uh, my, my whole squad comes with me to wherever I fight, man. So I got great support here in Denver and where I fight. That that you know that that's really good. A lot of a lot of guys, you know, they uproot themselves and and you know the fact that you got that much support behind you, I'm 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 sure keeps you motivated. Oh yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I'm, I, one thing that I've noticed with a lot with a lot of fighters coming out of the Ultimate Fighter house is that the, their experience in the house, in some instances, leave them a little bitter just because they were detached. And then, you know, they, when they become full fledged fighters, it, it's almost partially like they have to rebuild their relationships with families. How did you know? How did that work when when you were selected to go into the house? You know, did you were you working at the time? Did you end up quitting your job? Like, like how did that work? <laughs> Uh, I, I was a full-time fighter before. Um, uh, I, I would do some boxing classes at Nate Marquardt's gym, um, do some strength and conditioning classes as well, but um, I, I was basically a full-time fighter, man, from the get-go. Um, and then when I went to the house, man, it, you know, all my family and friends and training partners expected me to win it, so um, I, I couldn't come out of the house, you know, not being undefeated. Yeah, I know that there was a, a lot of pressure. It's almost like a, that social experiment aspect. How long did it take you to adjust to having those cameras constantly around? Was that something where you where you guys kind of just after the first or second week it was just business as usual, or was there still that looming like, oh man, you know, is there a camera in the bathroom while I'm in here? You know, it, it didn't bother me. You know, I, I knew I was there to do a job and all the other stuff I could care less about. So for me, it was easy, man. I just focused on what I had to do, and that was winning. And, uh, you know, I had three three wins in the house, three finishes. So uh, I did a good job at that. Yeah, your um, your fight with uh, D'Amico Rogers was, 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 was very enjoyable, especially catching him with the choke. And then I was... The, the Madsen fight, you know, especially with Madsen now now fighting in the UFC, you know, I was I was surprised with D'Amico Rogers because he had a lot of, you know, just like anything else, you know, the editing focuses on certain fighters and you know they kind of kept you on the quiet, and then boom, you came Anaconda choke, and you moved on. How you know how how good is that in some respect that you know you you kind of were the dark horse the whole way through. Um, man, I, I think for maybe the audience, I was a little bit of a dark horse, but um, in the house, all the guys, you know, I had a lot of respect from a lot of the guys, so um, it, it was definitely good, man. I, I didn't feel like an underdog. If anything, I felt like Roy and I were kind of the favorites in the house. The um, Of course, there was a, the 
the the the looming issue with uh, Kimbo Slice, and how much how much of a circus did that kind of bring to it? Were you guys all concerned about about Kimbo's involvement and whether that would you know detract from from the mission that you guys were on to to become Ultimate Fighters? And then you know did the opinion change as you got to know him? No, I, I like Kimbo, man. He's a great guy. He he did great for ratings, and uh, Kimbo's a, a great guy and good person, even better person, man. So it was a, a great opportunity to meet someone like him. I it, I'll be a hundred percent honest. When I first heard he was he was coming on the show, I um you know I dismissed it, and, and I like Kimbo's life, but I just felt at the time that it was going to start taking a sideshow atmosphere, and then. Much, much like you said, the more I, I watched him perform, and the more that you know, you learn about you guys as as individuals. I, I became a fan of his even even more. So I guess the show has has that aspect, which gives gives people a little bit more insight. Yeah, for sure. I, I think uh, Kimbo's a little misunderstood, and uh, he's actually a really good guy and a family guy. And uh, man, if he was younger, I definitely think he could make a run in the sport. Well, one thing, you know, and, and, and kind of going a little bit off what you were saying with Kimbo, right now you, you know that every every organization has their own rankings and everybody has something to say about who's some of the most dominant heavyweights. At, at this stage in the game, do you feel that you consider yourself able to fight any heavyweight? Like, are are you are you at that stage where you're like, you know, if they put anybody in here, anybody, if they put Fedor in here tomorrow, he'd get his ass whooped. You know, yeah, because sometimes I, I, that builds over time, and, you know, some guys, they need a couple of fights, they're like, boom, I could take out anybody right now. You know, I, I definitely think I'm competing at a high level, and, uh, man, I, I'm going to give anyone in the world problems. Um, um, you know, will I be That's the favorite? Like Obviously not with a lot of the guys, but, man, I'm, I'm a confident dude, and, um you know, I, I think I'd give anyone a, a, a tough fight. So, um, you know, I, I'm definitely top ten in the UFC. Uh, you know, in the world, I, I leave that up to the critics. So, uh, man, I think I'd give anyone a run for their money. Do you feel Do you feel that the constant ranking, especially from from that's that's one thing I try not to do. I try not to rank fighters because it becomes something where you know sometimes you end up ranking on personal interest. Do you feel that sometimes that muddies the water, especially when you're trying to to go about your career, especially in appearing in other outlets where they're like, "Hey, man, you know, so and so ranked you at number 15." Does that is that something that you guys even give any you know any merit to, or is it like, ah, you know, that's one person's opinion? I I, I don't pay attention to it, man, and I could care less until I rank number one or got the belt. I could care less where I ranked. Hey, that see that that's the that's the right mentality, and I and I knew when I when I read your. That, that commentary you share with Krokop, that's the that's the best way to look at it. Sometimes it's it's all about you know even with the belt that's you can fight twenty people and until you get the belt it's that that's what you're fighting for. Yeah, Kane right now is number one in my eyes, so that's the goal, man. Do you do you keep do you follow other promotions in your in your spare time to continue educating yourself on the sport, or do you just go into the mindset where I'm home, I'm home, and when I'm ready to fight, I'm ready to fight. No, I, I I watch all the fights, man. There's not one I miss. Nice. Do you um do you watch some of these guys and pick up little tricks, or you say to yourself, "Hey, if I ever fight this guy, I know what to watch out for"? Because I know some guys they say it all the time. They're constantly learning. 
Yeah, I'm constantly learning. I, um, man, I usually watch it as a fan, unless it's the UFC and it, it's a guy I think I'm going to fight, then and I definitely pay closer attention to it. But the, the other fights, I, I usually just watch as a fan. Nice. That's what's up. <laughs> Impressive indeed. And there was there was one other thing I wanted to ask you, and I'm trying. I have a whole bunch of notes strewn about in front of me. Ah, yes. The Chris Took Sure fight I had wanted to ask you about because at the time they, you know, they they kind of built it around you know Shane and Brock, and then you and and Took Sure locking up. And at the time, were you? Was that a factor going into that fight? Was that a, a, a you know a factor in you even choosing that fight, or was that just a fight they put put in front of you? Like how uh, does that they, work they, when it comes to they to just called me they just fight. called me and said you know the they just called me and said you got uh, Chris Tusher July third um, uh, you know and you're on the live fight card and that's all they tell you and then then I you know then I realized the same card as Shane and they take the the media approach with. You know, Lesnar, Tusher, Carl, and me. So, uh, you know, for me, it's a great opportunity. Those when, when you guys get get those calls, is there? Do you guys get paperwork first? Like, like the in terms of the matchmaking process, and and that was something I was curious about. How does that work usually? Do you guys get get a call first? Do your bout agreements come first, and then a follow up? No, you get a call, and then uh, you know, make sure you're healthy, make everything good, and. Um, usually just to my manager, and my manager called me and said, right, man, they, you know, whatever, um, March night, Mirko Krokop, like, sweet, and then probably the next day you get a contract and you sign the battle agreement. Nice. Yeah, I've, I've, I've always wondered how that worked because everybody, especially you see it online a lot where they discuss the, the bout agreements, and they're like, oh, this bout isn't fully confirmed, and then it's like, all right, if it's not fully confirmed, how'd you find out about it? So, yeah, I, I think, I think sometimes that. both guys get battle agreements, but maybe sometimes one guy takes longer to sign it. Um, you know, maybe another guy wants to, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. I've never had that problem. I've never turned down a fight in my life. But I, I think maybe one guy might want a different matchup, so that's why it might take a little longer. Well, when you, you know, after after your fight with Crow Cop, it, and, and, you know, it's, it's a cliched question and I hate asking it, but I but I got to ask, it's like, who would you want to fight? Who, who's a guy that you'd want to that would be comparable to you in terms of of an exciting fight stylistically? Uh, you know the the winner of Frank Mir, Roy Nelson. You know I'd love to uh, shot at Frank Mir. Um, man, the, the, I know the UFC is going down to Brazil in August. You know I, I don't know if Big Nog's healthy, but that'd be a great fight too. Um, there's oh, a lot of great guys out there. A fight with you and Nagara would be sick. I, I, I personally would have liked to have seen you and Mir just because Mir's become more of a stand-up fighter, and, yeah. and you know your 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 stand-up is, is is crisp, man. So to see that, I was I was hoping for that. But you know when when I saw you get the Krokov fight, I'm like, oh, this will be just as good because he likes to stand and trade too. Yeah, for sure, man. It's gonna be good. All right. Well, last last but not least, of course. Um, you got any shout-outs, anybody you want to thank? Uh, I just want to thank Five Star. You know, they're my, my main sponsor. They do great things for me. You can check me out on Twitter. It's just at Brendan Schaub. Thanks for having me on, and, man. Oh, yeah, and you got BrendanSchaubMMA.com as your official site as well. That's right. There you go. I got to I gotta make sure I got all the details. So March 28th, Brendan Schaub meets Merkel Krokop in Newark, New Jersey. Hopefully I can... um get to the presser next week that you guys are doing at Radio City. You're going to be there for that, right? 
You know it, man. All right, man. If I get down there, I'm going to try and shout you out and shake right, your bro, hand. Definitely hit me up. You, you got it, man. Thank, thanks a lot, man. Later, bro. Take care of yourself. All yep, right, bro. No have problem. a good night. That was Brendan Schaub. You can go to his site, brendanschaubmma.com, for more details and to keep up with what he's doing. He will be locking up with Mirko Krokop March 28th at UFC 128 in Newark, New Jersey. On Twitter, you can look for him at Brendan Schaub. So definitely check him out. Let him know you're from MTR and you caught him on the show. I wish him the best of luck. I definitely think he has the tools to get past Mirko Krokop. So I'm looking forward to it, man. That's going to be, that's going to be one of those fights that has fight of the night written all over. Both guys like to stand and trade. You know, Mirko, Mirko Krokop, you got to watch for that head kick. So definitely, Brendan, I, I wish you luck. Make sure to check that, check that kick, especially the head kicks. Keep an eye out for that. So I wish you the best of luck. Going into some of the remaining MMA news that we had for the evening, um, I actually wanted to discuss the rumor that UFC is contemplating, well, so far, I've been hearing that it's almost certain that they're contemplating starting their pay-per-views an hour early, uh, starting with UFC 129 April 30th. That event's going to be starting at 9 o'clock as opposed to 10. Uh, the rumor is that this move is being done to take advantage of the, early, of the earlier time for the East Coast viewers. Also, they want to take advantage of the fact that, one of, that six out of the most ten populated cities in Canada are in the Eastern time zone as well. So definitely... A smart move by the UFC starting an hour earlier. I have no qualms about that. Hey, an hour earlier makes the cards last till about midnight, which isn't the worst thing in the world and can allow me to get a little bit more sleep. In some Bellator news, i got to shout those guys out. Bellator 35 debuted on MTV2 and drew 200,000 viewers. Nice work, guys. It was really good. Um, a really solid card from Bellator. There were some really great fights on there. Um, of course, Chris Lozano and Lyman Good we're on that fight card, and Chris Lozano has been on MMA Gospel. You can check out the interviews he's done with them in the MMA Gospel archives, and if you want to catch MMA Gospel live, you can listen to them Wednesdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, Jay Haran was on that card as well um, against Anthony Lapsley. Brent Weedman and Dan Hornbuckle and Rick Hahn and uh, Jim Wallhead rounded out uh, that card. Um, overall, great Bellator fights as always. The... Uh, Welterweight tournament quarterfinal bout with with Hornbuckle and Weedman. Um, really, really dominant performance from Weedman. He ended up taking the fight via unanimous decision. Um, on the welterweight side of things, Jim Wallhead and Rick Hahn was another great fight. Uh, Rick Hahn also took his fight by unanimous decision. I almost felt that in the first round, Wallhead came out a little bit more aggressive, but, but Hahn did a lot of work, especially with uh, the leg kicks. So... Great performance from those guys. And Jay Haran and Anthony Lassley, a lot of people expected this to end quickly, and sure enough it did. Uh, Jay Haran ended up taking the fight via submission. And on the welterweight tournament final, quarterfinal side of things, Lyman Good and Chris Lozano met up. And um, Lyman Good took the, car, the fight via unanimous decision. I was kind of bummed, especially I was pulling for Chris Lozano, um, you know, he's been on MMA Gospel. He's a really cool dude, and he's a friend of theirs. And he presented himself well, and you just naturally become a fan of the guy because he's so likable. So I was definitely bummed at seeing him lose via unanimous decision. But I'm sure, as talented as he is, he will bounce back. Let me go into Strike Force real quick. On the Strike Force side of things, 
Um, the main event was Henderson and Feijão, and also on the uh, the secondary title fight main event was Marlos Kunin and uh, Liz Carmouche for the women's welterweight title. You had Tim Kennedy and Melvin Manoff and Billy Evangelista versus Jorge Masvidal. Uh, great fights from Strike Force as well. Um, Billy Evangelista and Masvidal was was a solid opener. Um, you know, it ended in unanimous decision with Masvidal taking it. Uh, my boy Melvin Manoff, I was pulling for him. Vicious knockout artist was meeting Tim Kennedy. Tim Kennedy took the fight to the ground, uh, given that he, a lot of people say that Melvin's ground game is weak. Uh, Kennedy went in there and locked in the rear naked choke and took it via route in the first round. So definitely uh, great performance from Kennedy. I was bummed that Manoff ended up losing. Kind of sucks. Uh, Marlouz Kunin and Liz Carmouche. Everybody expected uh, Kunin to run through Carmouche in this fight, uh, but Carmouche was no joke. She was she was game. She was definitely ready to rock and roll. Um, Kunin came out aggressive in the first round, and Carmouche came in uh, ready to trade in the second. Um, there was definitely uh, good uh, good changing of levels on Carmouche's part. She almost got caught in a standing guillotine, but just just great submission defense on her part. But in the third round. It was definitely her doing her thing. Carmouche definitely was, was aggressive in the third round. But come the fourth, Kunin woke up and ended up catching her in a triangle choke. So definitely a very competitive and very aggressive performance from Liz Carmouche. And as always, a solid performance from Marlouz Kunin. Um, the question is now, who's going to challenge her next? Remains to be seen. And, of course, the light heavyweight championship bout with Fei Zhao and Hendo. Bananas, Henderson came out really aggressive in round one and in round two. Uh, round three, Mauro Ronaldo uh, definitely exploded as soon as Dan Henderson caught him with the overhand right, which has been aptly named the H-bomb. Dan Henderson beats Fei Zhao and gets the Strikeforce Light Heavyweight Championship at the age of 40. So definitely a great performance from Hendo. That knockout was disgusting. Uh Fantastic, fantastic card from Strike Force, solid all the way through. So definitely, if there is a replay on Showtime, I recommend you guys check it out. Last but not least, one of our friends, Razor Rob McCullough, will be fighting this Saturday at Bellator 36 from the Shreveport Municipal Auditorium in Shreveport, Louisiana. Um, he's going to be fighting Patricky Ferrey um, for the lightweight 20 quarterfinal. Also on that card is Toby Amada and Fareed Ketter. Um, Carrie Vanier and Lloyd Woodward. You got Mike Chandler and Marcin Held also on that card for a lightweight tournament quarterfinal, so definitely keep an eye out for that. Um, on the prelims, you got Kelly Leo and uh, Chad Leonhardt, Kevin Aguilar and Matt Hunt, Calvin Hackney and Josh Shockley, and uh, Booker Arthur and Javon Duhon are also rounding out that Bellator card. So definitely, if you're on Twitter, Look for Razor Rob. Wish him luck this weekend. I know he's going to go in there and do his thing. We are pulling for him here in MTR, and hopefully I can have him back after this fight, and we can talk about his involvement now with Bellator and where his career is going from here. That's going to wrap up the MMA segment, and we are going to get into wrestling right after this message. You know those shows where they play video game music? And they laugh in like really high voices like <laughs> Well you won't listen to that on our show. 
because uh, we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. We're broke as hell. And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So um, if you're looking for a show like that, that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter, Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights on all games. Let's talk some wrestling, shall we? Because, boy, am I fucking annoyed about Monday Night Raw this week. And I'll tell you why. I'm just going to run through the matches, and I want to address a situation um, regarding this John Cena rock storyline and the feud going on between them. Uh, Oh, man. Where do I begin? Randy Orton and David Otunga, of course, was a no-brainer, given that every time Randy Orton defeats a member of the Nexus, they do not need, they are not going to be in CM Punk's corner come WrestleMania. Obviously, you knew David Otunga was going to be a sacrificial lamb, and sure as shit, uh, good old Starscream Otunga, piss-colored that he is, ended up eating an RKO, so of course, he's out of the game. Randy Orton ended up coming through, catching him with the punt. Otunga is out. So um, everybody's saying that all these punted wrestlers are going to be repackaged and given new gimmicks and brought back to the roster at some point. So I guess they're slowly closing the book on the Nexus. Um, It's a good way to do it, but at this stage in the game, the Nexus angle is pretty much very formulaic, and nobody really gives a fuck about it. Christian and Alberto Del Rio, why it went the way it went and not happened on SmackDown, I don't know but I'm assuming it was because they wanted to give Alberto Del Rio more screen time on Raw. Turns out that Christian ended up facing Brodus Clay from NXT. Um, Christian did win with a Tornado DDT. Of course, Del Rio was plainly obvious that he was going to put Christian in the cross-arm breaker, and sure as shit, he did. WWE started airing package promos for Sin Cara. Very excited to see him debut, also known as Mystico. If you haven't seen him wrestle, I recommend, once again, YouTube is your friend. Look for him as Mystico, and you will see that when he comes into the WWE, if they don't fuck him up, he's going to be serious, serious uh, fan favorite with his offense and his, his great presentation. And, of course, a feud or a tag team with Rey Mysterio is inevitable. And, of course, matches with Alberto Del Rio are also in the card. So definitely keep an eye out for him because he's going to be really awesome. We had a women's title match with Eve Torres versus Nikki Bella. If anybody thought that one of the Bella twins was winning the women's title, please share with us what the fuck you're smoking because I sure as shit knew it wasn't going to happen. And with that, they made sure to announce that Snooki from the Jersey Shore will be the guest star for Raw next week. Of course, TNA having members of the Jersey Shore on, Wow and Angelina, um, it was almost obvious that something was going to happen and somebody was going to get Snooki on TV, and WWE made sure to get her on just because she seems to be the one that everybody follows. I mean, don't get me wrong, people follow Wow as well, but Snooki seems to be the one that's everywhere, and you know what? They, they once again pulled the rug out from TNA, but 
I feel in, in essence it was doing, in my eyes, it does more harm than good because it almost looks like they're biting off a of TNA at this point, and um, it's ridiculous. You know, it, with with only a few episodes of Raw left till WrestleMania, you you go with this shit. I mean, I don't give a fuck, but so close to WrestleMania, you're gonna you're gonna take away valuable TV time to building up your marquee event to throw Snooki on TV. It's it, it's it's stupid. You should have done this when the guest host thing was really popping off, and not now. Of course, nice little Cole segment with his referee for WrestleMania, which brought back JBL, which was very surprising. But JBL was not going to be the only one brought out. Of course, Stone Cold Steve Austin made his return to Monday Night Raw and proceeded to give a stunner to JBL and sign his name on the special guest referee contract. So Stone Cold Steve Austin will be the special guest referee between Jerry Lawler and Michael Cole at WrestleMania. They, They had to do something just because Involving Jack Swagger alone wasn't enough of an incentive to give a fuck about that match, but the involvement of, of Stone Cold Steve Austin definitely ups the ante a bit for sure, and somehow I have a feeling that everybody's catching a stunner in that match. Daniel Bryan and Sheamus was next on Monday Night Raw. People really hate fucking Sheamus, man. He's losing every week. He ended up losing to Daniel Bryan via countout. Next, we went into a nice little squash match with R-Truth and CM Punk. CM Punk ended up winning with one of my favorite moves that he uses, the Anaconda Vice that he brought back. So definitely really cool to see. Uh, Vicky Guerrero comes back and says that she is on, that Dolph Ziggler was rehired on Monday Night Raw. Anybody that did not see that coming a mile away, you guys just must, must not watch wrestling. But the, the big get here was that an email from the anonymous GM said that Dolph Ziggler is hired and not Vicky. But that Vicky will be able to fight for her job when she meets Trish Stratus next week. So they're really cramming them in there with Trish Stratus popping up on Raw next week. Now, of course, to close things out, John Cena's promo. Now, usually every week I, I go and... I get the audio from, from, from YouTube, and I cut up the audio, and I put, it, I put it on the show, and I play it for you guys. I did not do that this week, and I'll tell you guys why. The Rock cut a very great promo when he first came to Raw. John Cena responded back with a solid promo, after which The Rock came back with, with a fantastic emotional promo, even though it was via satellite, but, you know, not to split hairs, but it was very impactful, very emotional, and it was great. This week, fucking John Cena, you know, I I don't know what happened from the previous promo to this one, but, of course, he made sure to reference that The Rock shouldn't be bitching about him rapping so that he was going to respond to The Rock in hip-hop. Now, it was cute, but, you know, when you break out props, I mean, the only only merit of that segment was him breaking out a shirt that said, I bring it via satellite. It was definitely very cool, and if WWE were smart, they would sell it. John Cena, of course, goes out to say that The Rock 
should not continue talking shit because it's going to be bringing a knife to a gunfight. And I was just annoyed about the whole thing, the whole way that it transpired, because it almost seems like John Cena has to always resort to, you know, I'm going to hang my balls in front of you. In this particular rap, he said he was going to give The Rock a pearl necklace. What kind of shit is that? And as such, I wanted to address John Cena's promo in rap. And I, I know it, it, it's, it's silly, but it would add a little, a little humor to this segment because I was so annoyed at the way that played out. And pretty much I, I came up with this. I got a rap for John Cena, definitely not a throwback, offering the rock a pearl necklace. Who the fuck is from Brokeback? Every week he throws out these really gay undertones. Like, like you're going to give a grown-ass man a, a, a pearl necklace? What the fuck is that? No matter how humorous that is, what is that? You know? Or, or the week before, I let it slide that he said that The Rock was going to be polishing his balls. What is that? What the fuck is that? Seriously. I give a grown man a pearl necklace? Ugh. Fucking John Cena. Stupid. Really fucking stupid. And that wasn't the most impactful rap. But last time I checked, I wasn't a fucking rapper. And I don't wear a purple shirt and armbands and jean shorts, so I don't give a shit. But to, to, to talk about shit like that, and it's been almost the subtle punchlines in each of his promos that I'm just like, really, that, that's where you're going to go? I mean, don't get me wrong, The Rock does some, 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 some foul shit, but he hasn't done it in this feud, and it almost makes it seem like you went from a really strong promo to a... Uh, you know, I'm rubber, you're glue, you know, whatever you say bounces off of me and sticks on to you type shit. On some real preschool shit. I thought that when John Cena said that he's delivering the knockout blow, that he was going to cut a promo of epic fucking proportion. Not this, not this fucking okey-doke hacky shit that we did end up seeing. I was, I was not happy. Not happy with that at all. And, of course, after he cut that promo, he ended up catching a belt shot from The Miz. And the Miz came, and he fucking complained and cut his own little promo, and he ended up catching the Cena with a skull-crushing finale and a people's elbow, which was which was amusing. I, I'm sure that The Rock will address the Miz probably next week. I mean, we don't have that many more episodes of Raw till WrestleMania, but if John Cena cuts another fucking piss-poor promo, he is getting ripped to shreds next week. Because I kind of let him slide, you know, because of the PG shit. But if you're going to go into that, I'm going to be controversial, don't, don't talk about giving a grown, a grown man a pearl necklace, dude. It just sounds real fucking amateur. You know, it's just, I'm sure people are going to disagree. And you know what? I don't give a shit. Because if you say that to somebody when you're clowning them in the street, you're going to definitely get an eyebrow raise or two. And I'm sure many of you guys that are listening can agree. Anyway, in some other wrestling news, um, Dolph Ziggler, of course, got rehired by Raw, but not only that, Dolph Ziggler's brother got hired by WWE. Ryan Nemeth, who is the brother of Dolph Ziggler, a.k.a. Nick Nemeth, was signed to a developmental deal. Uh, Nemeth has been working out in OVW for the last year, so I wouldn't be surprised if at some point Dolph Ziggler's brother comes up, 
possibly a tag team. Who knows? Now, I didn't really want to go into this in the wrestling segment, but considering how he was on the show and he was a class act and he was just a, 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 a really cool dude, um, Shad Gaspard got arrested this past weekend at the Arnold Classic. Um, it seems that he was arrested for pretty much jaywalking, which, which is completely bullshit from start to finish. I actually ended up posting the TMZ video um, on, our Facebook, on our Facebook fan page and on our Twitter account. And it was, it was crazy the way it went down. Chad Gaspar is about 6'7", 6'8". He's, he's close to 300 pounds. He's a big dude. And he got arrested. If you've seen the video, he gets down on his knees, puts his hands up, because he's a big dude. He wants to show he's not a threat. He gets thrown to the fucking ground. It was, it was ridiculous. It was really fucked up the way it went. Um, and the funny thing was that the video was captured by um, Strike Force fighter Josh Barnett, uh, the babyface assassin, he ended up catching video of that, and it was it was really fucked up the way it went down. Uh, Shad Gaspard's wife, of course, uh, responded on sh- via Shad's Twitter account, and she said that Shad did not try to resist in any way, and he did get in a kneeling position, and which we saw, and he just got shoved face first. Of course, it's really crazy because, you know, Shad Gaspard felt that, and I have to agree to an extent that the, that the Columbus Police Department abused their authority, um, and, and the fact that you're getting arrested for fucking jaywalking, are you kidding me? Motherfuckers jaywalk in New York all the time, and nobody gets arrested, much less a fucking ticket. I almost got ran off the road for, with some old asshole who was talking via, on his cell phone, not paying attention in the least bit, while you, talking on his cell phone and holding fucking coffee. And you know what the charge is for that here in New York City? You get two points on your license, and you get a, a nice, hefty fine. And motherfuckers don't care. So the fact that they're giving tickets out in fucking bumfuck Columbus, Ohio, for jaywalking is absurd. And, of course, the, the Columbia Police Department issued a statement via TMZ, and they responded saying that Shad Gaspar's arrest was entirely warranted and that he was belligerent when arrested. The representative told TMZ that Gaspard had been walking in the street and obstructing traffic and that he ignored a request by an officer to get out of the street as well as refusing to provide ID when asked more than once. Sergeant Rich Wiener recounted recounted the police report that states that the officer tried to arrest Gaspard who broke free from the officers, excuse me, as they attempted to take him into custody. He also stated that the video that came online does not show the events which led to Mr. Gaspar being put on the ground and being placed in handcuffs. I don't know, man. I feel that some people are saying, oh, well, you know, you can't make these assumptions because you weren't there. If you are 6'7 and 300 fucking pounds and you, and you uh, assume a prone position or assume a position where you are directly showing that you are not a threat, there is no necessity to get thrown into the ground face first. None whatsoever. It's, all right, sir, can you put your hands behind your back? No problem, officer. Boom. And you're done, and you keep it moving. You throw motherfuckers into the fucking ground? Some, some cold shit. Besides the fact that the Arnold Classic happens in Ohio every year, the police by now should know that during that week, there are big motherfuckers there, giant monsters that will probably eat 
an average dude or kill at least one or two average dudes. If you're not drinking, driving drunk, beating people up, causing fights, just let them big motherfuckers rock until the shit is over. It's just, the Arnold Classic has always been down there. I've known countless friends that, that I've gone to the gym with that have gone to the Arnold Classic, and they say, look, man, it's a really chill atmosphere. A lot of these people down south in, in Ohio just are never prepared for these big motherfuckers walking around or these half-naked fitness models walking around. They're not prepared for it. And for some of it, they get a little shell-shocked and, you know, definitely raises an eyebrow or two. But to, to, to take that dude and throw him to the ground like that and, and seeing it captured on video, I don't know, man, but I, I, th- I think Shad has a case for, for some to, to, to fight the jaywalking charge for sure. So definitely I wish him the best of luck, and I hope to talk to him soon, whether on the air or not, and um, we'll see what happens with that. Of course, this past week on TNA's Impact, last week and this week, Angelina from the Jersey Shore was on twice, and it seems that she is taking wrestling very seriously. Um, Angelina has reportedly said that she is looking to start some full-time training and will be doing it at the Independent Wrestling Federation in West Patterson, New Jersey. She will be training there four days a week, and of course she appeared on Impact this past Thursday in a six-knockout tag match. So we may be seeing Angelina as a TNA knockout sooner rather than later, especially with the buzz that seems to be going around that. So the Jersey Shore is invading wrestling, literally and figuratively. In some Ring of Honor news, of course, i got to shout those guys out. Ring of Honor, some of the best pure wrestling in the game. Uh, They're having a show here in New York City March 19th, and they have some really great matches on that card. Uh, The Ring of Honor champion Roderick Strong is going to be meeting Eddie Eddie Edwards, which is going to be a fucking clinic. Tag team champions, the Kings of Wrestling, will be meeting LAX, Homicide, and Hernandez. i got to see if I can get over there. Huge fan of LAX, huge fan of Homicide. So definitely I'm going to try and check that out. Uh, Davey Richards is going to be meeting Ring of Honor TV champ Christopher Daniels in a pure wrestling match. I smell that being a four-star classic for sure. On the tag team side of things, the Briscoes are going to be meeting the All Night Express. In some tough enough casting news, they're starting to give out some, uh, some information about who's going to be on this season tough enough. Of course, Rima Faki, who is the current Miss USA, is going to be a member. Matt Cross, who is known on the indie scene as M-Dog 20, he's been in Ring of Honor, CZW, and a couple of other promotions. He will be joining Tough Enough. Jason Watts, a.k.a. Eric Watts, is also going to be joining that season. Um, A female wrestler known as Juliet the Huntress, uh, she was wrestling in Puerto Rico and has been working the Chicago area indies, and she will be on there as well. Christina Crawford, who is Alicia Fox's sister, will be joining that series, as is Bobby Robinson, also known as the Golden Boy. Bobby Robinson works the independents in the main area, including NWA on fire. And last but not least, to close out the wrestling segment, the uh, WWE posted on their website that the Raw after WrestleMania will see The Rock return to Monday Night Raw post-WrestleMania. So that's definitely a nice way to build up buzz for the episode after Raw. I'm going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we are going to talk some video games right after this. What if it's on tonight, even? Tonight at 10 on your local news. 
I said to Jesus, Jesus, can you save me? This is the deal of the century, people. I'm telling you. So, Jason, uh, what, what, I mean, what, what are we doing tonight? Tumbling with Tumbleweed, Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. BlogTalkRadio.com, Eastern Standard Time. Do you even know? Jason? Jason, are you there? All right, let's talk some games, shall we? First off, SOCOM 4 Beta. Those of you that are fans of the SOCOM series will be able to check out the SOCOM 4 Beta March 22nd. The beta will be open for PlayStation Plus players. Uh, gamers that bought Killzone 3 will be getting the beta on March 29th. But the general public gets access April 5th. The beta will feature suppression, last defense, uplink, and bomb squad modes to play on Port Authority, and assault and battery. The demo will end, the, the open beta will end on April 13th. In some Gears of War 3 news, the next installment, of course, will be dropping September 20th. Those of you that picked up Bulletstorm have access to the beta, which will be available April 25th. Any of those, anybody who ordered, pre-ordered Bulletstorm and got the Epic Edition can play the beta starting April 18th. The beta will include three competitive multiplayer modes and four maps. The Gears of War 3 beta will also include content that can be unlocked in the beta and will carry over into the final game when it drops September 20th. The content you'll be able to get, Flaming Hammer Burst, which you will get, which will be awarded if you complete one match by Sunday, April 24th. You'll be able to unlock this weapon variant. You'll get a flaming lancer during a match from April 25th, a flaming sawed-off shotgun on May 2nd, a flaming Nasher shotgun on May 9th, the beta tester medal if you complete one match. To unlock the beta tester medal, it'll carry over to your gamer profile in the final game. You'll also get access to Thrashball Coal, which is you, you'll get awarded that if you complete 50 matches in any game to unlock that particular character. For the gold-plated Retro Lancer, you've got to complete 90 matches. So the beta will be open until May 15th on the Xbox 360. Now, of course, a couple of weeks back, we discussed Activision killing off the Guitar Hero and DJ Hero franchises. Seems that it wasn't going to be the end of the music genre like we thought. Activision looks to do something to compete against Dance Central, and according to Kotaku, that game is going to be Dance Hero. As of right now, Activision hasn't given an announcement, but they will be, they will be announcing it soon. From what's been said, there are already four songs that are going to be in the game, including 2012 by Jay Sean, featuring Nicki Minaj, Out of Space by Prodigy, The Way I Are by Timbaland, and take over control by Afrojack. So, Dance Hero will be competing against Dance Central. You know, it's kind of fucked up that you kill off the Guitar Hero franchise after raping it to death, and then you kill off the DJ Hero franchise, and then you say to yourself, oh, we're not going to do any more music games, and then this rumor creeps out. It's, it's like, why, why do you insist on putting this stuff out and then squeezing it to death, because I guarantee you, once Dance Hero comes out of itself, there's going to be fucking 20 copies of that shit. I see it happening already. There'll be Dance Hero, Dance Hero Pop, Dance Hero Hip Hop, 
Dance Hero Country Line Dancing, Dance Hero Polka, because that's the, that's the way it's going to go down. That is, it's, that's just the way it goes, that they will squeeze every ounce of creativity from that franchise. Mark my words. A game that I actually have been playing on Xbox Live quite a bit that I'm a fan of is getting a sequel, that being The Dishwasher Dead Samurai. The new title is going to be The Dishwasher uh, Vampire Smile, and it's going to be coming out on Xbox Live Arcade on April 6th. It's going to run you 800 Microsoft points, and it also is going to have 3D functionality. Those of you that are at PAX East this weekend are going to be able to check out the final build of the game, and a couple of attendees will actually be able to get preliminary download codes as well. If you haven't checked out Dishwasher Dead Samurai, I recommend if you're a fan of the Shank game to check out Dishwasher Dead Samurai. It's a great title, and it's very enjoyable, and I'm sure that they'll end up putting it on sale closer to the release of the second game. Of course, Pokemon Black and White dropped this past week. Of course, MTR's own Slick is currently playing it, as are countless MTR listeners. Now, of course, it's a no-brainer that this game is going to get huge numbers, but how huge is that? And that's what she said. Uh, the latest entries, Black and White, sold over 1.8 million units within the first 24 hours of being out in North America. This breaks the record of 780,000 units by Pearl and Diamond. So already Pokemon Black and White just coming out guns blazing. I guarantee you those MPD numbers next month are going to be sick. Seems Microsoft is going into the Guinness Book of World Records. Gama Sutra is reporting that the, that the Kinect has sold 10 million units along with 10 million retail games. You know, it's funny because I was really adamant about picking up a Kinect, but since I barely play the Wii, I have actually contemplated selling the Wii and getting a Kinect. I know it's foolish, especially after all these years of owning all, you know, three consoles, but... I just don't play it as much as I used to. I mean, I occasionally play Tatsunoko versus Capcom and maybe a little Mario Galaxy. I'm a huge fan of the Mario sports titles, and I almost picked up the newest Mario sports game, but it, I just didn't have it in me to do it. I don't know. I mean, it's it's almost like I, the nostalgia's worn off, so to speak. So I may actually be one of those joining the Connect Army by buying a Connect in the coming months, maybe even sooner than that. So the Kinect goes into the Guinness Book of World Records as the fastest-selling consumer electronics device. It sold 133,333 units per day. That's 8 million units in 60 days. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. For those of you that haven't picked up uh, Twisted Pixels, Trials HD, Explosion Man, or Limbo, you'll be able to pick them up bundled together on a disc for $29.99 very soon, according to Twisted Pixel CEO and co-founder Michael Wilford, who posted it on Twitter. Um, There's actually an Amazon listing for it as well, so keep an eye out if you haven't played Explosion Man, Trials HD, and Limbo. You'll be able to pick them up on a disc. Of course, the PS3 firmware dropped this week. I actually have contemplated moving myself to PlayStation Plus. Uh, They actually allow activated a new feature, which is going to allow cloud saving. This is going to be available only to PlayStation Plus subscribers, and it's going to allow also how long a controller stays on after using it. In addition to that, they tested the security features, and a PS3 hacker, Eunice Alui, known as uh, Kakarotic or Kakarots, 
said that it looks like the PS3 has been resecured. Of course, it doesn't mean that it can't be broken again from scratch. He added that Sony is not using the key that GeoHot had discovered. So Sony not only released a nice little update, but they also made sure to lock down some of those security holes. Odds are that new ones will be found. Let's talk some MPD news. Of course, it was a, it was a huge month with some really great titles that came out. Call of Duty Black Ops, of course, is the number one selling title, um, just murdering the competition. It is the best-selling game in America of all time, surpassing 13 million units of Wii Play that has sold. It's absurd, definitely. Marvel vs. Capcom 3, of course, was the number two spot. Just Dance 2 was number three. NBA 2K11 was your number four. Dead Space 2 was number 5, Zumba Fitness joined the party was 6, Bulletstorm was 7, Killzone 3 was 8, Michael Jackson The Experience was 9, and Mario Sports Mix was 10. Looking at that, you can already see some casual games really grabbing um, some real key spots, especially Zumba Fitness, which was put out by Majesco, that I really didn't think was going to catch on the way it did. I mean, it's just really great titles that have come out. You know, we're seeing Killzone 3, uh, Mario, Bulletstorm, all in there. Overall, game revenue has gone up from $1.3 billion to $1.6 billion year to year. Hardware and accessory sales went up, but some software sales dipped a little bit. Nonetheless, Microsoft made sure to share their numbers. The Xbox 360 sold 535,000 units in February, which makes it the biggest non-holiday month for Microsoft. That's a 27% sales increase. Not bad, folks. Not bad at all. I'm going to take a quick commercial break. When I come back, we are going to talk some movies right after this. The following advertisement is for BarnstubbornRadio.com. Barnstubborn Radio. We like news. We like current events. But we like the fucked up news and the fucked up current events. Born Southern Radio, we talk about everything in entertainment. We talk about movies. We talk about music. Mostly heavy stuff. Have good mosh pitting! And because we're big fucking nerds, we talk about video games. <laughs> we're big fucking nerds. We love video games. Fuck's sake, man! <laughs> Rich loves the show. Yeah. Hey, Rich, you like the show, don't you? Yeah, man. Are you sure you like the show? <laughs> yeah, man. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop the music. Isn't Born Stubborn Radio one of your favorite podcasts? Yeah, man. Awesome. Okay, hold on a second. But I was just curious. I'm thinking about coming to New York. Awesome. You live in New York, right? Yeah. You think maybe I could uh, crash on your couch? Uh, in the predominantly Asian neighborhoods, there's like fucking 20 of them shit. Um, Rich, I love you, but I don't know what the fuck you just said. In the Asian neighborhoods, there's like fucking 20 of them shit. Exactly. Okay, I, I don't know what Rich is thinking, but PornStuffInRadio.com is where you should be going right now. Here you get it! Have good marketing! Let's talk some movies, shall we? 
First off, Ryan Reynolds, of course, you may know, is playing the Green Lantern because he is everywhere wearing his CGI green jumpsuit. But he actually took the opportunity recently to discuss the Deadpool project as well as Green Lantern. When asked about Deadpool, he said that Deadpool is still in the works. He's not sure how logistically it works in terms of scheduling, but he definitely wants to make it happen. He was also asked about the CGI suit for Green Lantern, and he stated it has to be virtual rather than spandex. It is true. It's a suit from an alien planet. It's not the Dark Knight. I don't put the suit on and my voice drops several octaves. The suit is powered specifically on his will, his emotion, his creativity, and his imagination. I love that. Everything Hal creates are images from his childhood or things fueled specifically from his own mind. Anybody who bitched about the costume being CGI is a fucking idiot. Let me say that. It's, it's absurd. It, it, Green Lantern does not wear the costume under any clothing. It is created by the ring. So the fact that it has to be done via CGI is fucking obvious. When asked about playing both Deadpool and Green Lantern, he said that the two universes are completely different. Superhero movies are so pervasive in pop culture, I don't look at this. I don't look at the superhero roles as much as just roles. They're such different people. Deadpool is about a guy in a highly militarized shame spiral. Green Lantern is more universally themed. Ryan Reynolds has a great approach to it, and I really do hope he gets the opportunity to bring Deadpool to the silver screen. I think it would be a character that would, that would definitely carve out his own niche in, in terms of comic movies, and I think Ryan Reynolds did a, didn't do a bad job. So if, if he does do it, I will definitely be one of the first ones in line to buy a ticket. In some G.I. Joe 2 news, Rachel Nichols, who played Scarlet on G.I. Joe, posted on Twitter that only three characters from the first film will be returning in the sequel. Um, Snake Eyes, Storm Shadow, and Duke are the only three characters that are coming back. I guess uh, Marlon Wayans is not coming back. Of course, Snake Eyes played by Ray Park, Storm Shadow, which was played by Byung Hun Lee, and Channing Tatum, who played Duke, will be reprising their roles. G.I. Joe made, was made for $175 million. It grossed $302.5 million worldwide. In some Batman movie news, it looks like Batman will be debuting a new vehicle, that being the Batplane. A lot of rumors are saying that it will be debuted in this film. In addition to that, there will be a brand new Batmobile since the last one was destroyed in The Dark Knight. So definitely good news for that. And I think that the addition of the Batplane, I really like how they introduce the vehicles into the Batman movies. They actually make sense. He just doesn't randomly go and buy them. He actually has them for specific purposes. And considering that this movie is going to be taking place in a lot of different areas around the world, the Batplane is going to be a no-brainer for sure. In some box office totals, Rango ended up taking number one, besting the Adjustment Bureau. Um, given that I saw the trailer three times for Rango, and I really wasn't sure exactly what the fuck the movie was about, I was really surprised that it took number one. It does look interesting. I really don't think it's something I'd go out of my way to watch, but I try to watch as many animated films as I can. Rango took number one. The Adjustment Bureau took number two. Beastly took number three. Hall Pass was four, Nomeo and Juliet was five, The Unknown was six, The King's Speech is still holding on at seven, Just Go With It was eight, I Am Number Four was nine, and The Beeb was number ten. Now, as I said at the top of the broadcast, um, a lot of Marvel fanboys have been criticizing Idris Elba's um, involvement in the role of Heimdall in the Thor film. Of course, 
Idris Elba, for those of you that don't know, is of African descent. A lot of people said that it was wrong to, cl- to cast a black man in the part of a white Nordic god. Anybody who wastes this much time complaining about race for fucking characters that don't exist is a fucking idiot. It's simple as that. There's no, there's no middle ground. There's no, negotiation. there's no negotiations with that. You're a fucking idiot. These characters aren't real. Were you the same assholes that complained that Michael Clark Duncan played the kingpin? I bet you you were the same fucks that complained that Harvey Dent was played by Billy D. Williams. Why not? It, it, it's stupid. I mean, if there, if there are actors that are, that are perfect for these roles... Sometimes you got to look beyond beyond race, especially considering that if you're a god, however you appear to somebody may not be how you appear to somebody else. How many people look at Jesus and see there's white Jesus, there's black Jesus, there's Hispanic Jesus with the perm, there's teenage Jesus, baby Jesus, Chinese Jesus, a.k.a. Buddha, you know, there's elephant god Jesus for my Indian brothers. Give me a fucking break. So what? Of course, Elba responded to the comments, and he said, it's so ridiculous. We have a man, Thor, who has a flying hammer and wears wears horns on his head, and yet me being an actor of African descent playing a Norse god is unbelievable. Cleopatra was played by Elizabeth Taylor, and Gandhi was played by Ben Kingsley. You know, that statement alone vindicates everything. Cleopatra was played by Elizabeth Taylor, and Gandhi, Gandhi, who is Indian, was played by Ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley is the furthest thing from fucking Indian, from fucking Indian that there is. It's like me playing Dennis the Menace. That's how, that's how far off the possibility is. It, it's really sad shit, and the fact that this is an issue, how many episodes back did I not discuss this? I'd like to say at least seven or eight episodes back, I mentioned that this was a gripe, and the fact that it's still being addressed closer to the release of this movie shows that people really need to get a fucking grip. They do. Are these the same assholes that complained that Wolverine was too tall when he's short? Seriously, just be glad your fucking movies are getting made. Ugh. Fuck out of here. Badass Digest is reporting that Marvel Comics, that Marvel Comics, Marvel Comics, excuse me, is working on their big screen adaptation of the Inhumans. That's going to be next on their list. Of course, for those of you that don't know, the Inhumans were created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, and they're a group of super beings from the dark side of the moon that were created millions of years ago by the Kree, who conducted experiments on primitive humans. As of right now, it seems that they're going with a story where aliens who were put on Earth as sleeper cell agents and have to eventually call their race to take over their planet, but ultimately decide to fully assimilate into the Earth's culture and do not want to cause war. An interesting concept, I've always thought that the Inhumans, while they seemed pretty cool, were actually kind of lame in my book. But, you know, think, the weird thing about Marvel characters or any comic book character is that if it's done right, it can be made Interesting. Who would have thought that Kick-Ass would have been such a great movie? Or Scott, or Scott Pilgrim, for that matter. These are the things that, you know, you have to kind of look at it with an open mind. The Inhumans, while they're kind of under the radar, 
I really would be interested to see how they pull it off and if they tie into the main Marvel Universe. I'm definitely going to be watching this with much interest. Now, something that I'm very looking forward to, if it's true, is some James Bond news. Um, according to The Sun, Anthony Hopkins is in talks to join Bond 23 as the film's villain. They actually want to use him as a recurring villain, much like they used to do with Blowfield back in the day. I tell you what, Anthony Hopkins and Daniel Craig sharing screen time, delivering fucking kick-ass dialogue, sign me up, man. I will pay the ticket. I'll pay for the ticket right now. That, that would be badass, especially if you make him the head of Quantum, which is the organization that got unveiled in the last James Bond movie. I think Anthony Hopkins would be really good for that. He has that real smarmy, douchebaggy vibe that he can play really well. I mean, he, he's done really great portrayals with characters like Hannibal Lecter and other memorable characters. I mean, he does have some that, you know, you definitely don't want to think about, but one actor doesn't. But I think him in, in a Bond film, all good in my book, all good. Now, here's something that I, I would actually toss in the what-the-fuck movie news pile. Universal is planning a 3D reboot of the Doom franchise, which, of course, you remember was the 2005 film based on the game with The Rock, Carl Urban, and Rosamund Pike. It seems that they want to do a 3D reboot. They're looking for a screenwriter, and they're basing it off the success of G.I. Joe, Rise of Cobra. Why would you reboot this? Nobody gives a fuck about Doom. The, relevant, the relevance of Doom is about right up there with the relevance of Delta Burke or Dolly Parton or the cast of 227. Translation, no one gives a shit about Doom at this point. So get ready for it, folks, because there will be a reboot. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1 is now the highest grossing film in the Harry Potter series. The film has grossed $657 million, and it's still growing. It beats out Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, which grossed $657 million flat. Jeff Robinoff, president of Warner Brothers, had the following to say about the accomplishment. It's tremendously gratifying to reach this benchmark as we have entered the final stretch of this remarkable journey. We share this achievement with J.K. Rowling, whose books are the foundation of this rich and vibrant world as well as the talented people who brought the, her vision to life on screen. You know, in looking at this, when I read it the first time, I thought, oh, that's really cool, especially because these movies have progressively gotten better. I haven't read the Harry Potter books, but the movies have always been solid, solid films. Now, to sit here and, and you know, uh, pound your chest about how really great this movie was and how much it grossed, while it is great, there is an asterisk that should be put next to it because it was in IMAX and it was in 3D. And those are ticket prices that are substantially higher than when Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone came out. I'm not shitting on the milestone. I just want to keep shit real. $657 million is great. But you've got to account for the fact that tickets are super expensive, and that is definitely a factor for sure. Last two bits of movie news, the, and, bo and one kind of has to go in the what-the-fuck movie news pile, and the other one definitely has to go in the what-the-fuck movie news pile. Um, of course, we talk about real shitty movies. You guys know this. You guys tune in every week to watch me rage like a lunatic, 
at some of the shit that Hollywood puts out. Such gems like the Monopoly movie or the Battleship movie, etc., etc., etc. The Hollywood Reporter is reporting that Scott Glasgold and the Raymond Brothers of I Am Entertainment have put a movie in development about the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. According to Glasgold, we're, aim- we're aiming to make a four-quadrant family-friendly film somewhere in that Night at the Museum Elf sweet spot. So I, how much can I almost guarantee that the balloons come to life? I smell it already. Something happens, the balloons got to fucking work together to make sure that the parade doesn't get moved or canceled, yada, 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 end credits. It's happening. I almost can guarantee that that is the plot. Why would you make a movie about the Thanksgiving Day Parade? Why? Sure, it's a family film, but why? That's like making a sequel to Miracle on 34th Street. You know, it's a classic that should be left alone. The Thanksgiving Day Parade is an event. It's just an event. We all tune in. We watch it. We wait for Santa Claus to come out at the end of the parade to signal the start of the holiday season. Some of us freeze standing out there. Some of us have light poles fall on us from balloons that lose control. Yeah, it's happened. But to make a movie out of that, why? Why would we go there with that? It's absurd. But, of course, this is the unoriginality of Hollywood slowly rearing its ugly head. And last but not least, Bloody Disgusting is reporting that Universal Pictures is planning to reboot The Wolfman, yet again, for a direct-to-DVD release. The speculation right now is because of a renewed interest due to the, video, the home video sales exceeding expectations, plus the Oscar win for Best Makeup last month. Universal is asking for a period piece reboot that is supposed to start a new franchise. I actually enjoyed the Wolfman movie, but are we really? how much more can you add to it? Unless you turn Hugo Weaving into the Wolfman, no one's going to give a shit. And I really doubt that Hugo Weaving at this stage in the game is going to sign up to do a direct-to-DVD release. I highly doubt it. Well, with that said, folks, that's going to actually wrap up the show for this week. Short and sweet once again. The news are a little quiet. Uh, Next week, hopefully, we'll be talking a little bit about some of the stuff that comes out of PAX East. I am hoping to be joined by R.J. Clifford, who is um, a SiriusXM MMA radio show host that hopefully will be joining me next week so we can discuss UFC's, the, U- the upcoming UFC event, of course, with Brendan Schaub, who will be fighting, as will Shogun and John Bones Jones. So definitely, definitely tune in next week for that. Lastly, got to throw a couple of plugs out. Um, of course, Brendan Schaub's website, if you want to fi- follow him on his website or via Twitter, his website is brendanshawmma.com. He is represented by Alchemist, so you can follow Alchemist MMA also on Twitter. And you can follow Brendan Schaub as well at, at Brendan Schaub, S-C-H-A-U-B. And he will be fighting at UFC 128 this coming Saturday. So definitely follow him on Twitter, share your support, tell him, you know, wish him some luck, and hopefully we'll have him back after his fight, I look forward to hearing him win or lose and saying what, you know, where his career is going next. So definitely keep an eye out for him. He's a young prospect in the heavyweight division, and I see big things. 
So uh, best of luck, Brendan. We will be watching. Wow, I really massacred his name. I really called him. It, it is Brendan. What the fuck is wrong with me? I think that the Red Bull is wearing off, so it is time to end the show. All right. Got to throw some plugs out, of course. BrendanShobMMA.com. RazorClothing.tv. That's Razor Rob's clothing company. Definitely check that out. Um, of course, the crew at BeantownGamer.com, who are at PAX East right now. Um, they will probably be coming back in a few weeks, and we will be discussing that. Um, GamerFit Nation is also at PAX East right now. Best of luck to those guys. Black Bible and the owners are doing their thing over there. We look forward to having them back after um, PAX East. And also a shout-out to Philosophy from the Community Voice podcast. I was on their last episode, so definitely if you want to check it out, Community Voice podcast at uh, podbeam.com, I believe it is. I think I messed up that link. But definitely if you want to check it out, you can also go into our links tab on mythakeradio.com, and you can find the link there. Shout-out to Michael Jai White, of course, michaeljaiwhite.com, the crew from DualShockers, dualshockers.com, um, Brandon Barron, uh, Girl Gamer, GamingAngels.com, the crew from MMA Gospel that are super supportive. Uh, check them out. MMA Gospel is live Wednesdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on the Blog Talk Radio Network. MMA Valor, of course, our content partner, and also this week in Wrestling Podcast, another one of our content partners. Check them out, MMAValor.com. You can also follow them on Twitter. You can get those links and URLs in our links tab. Of course, the crew from Darksiders, you got to shout out the VGN crew, of course, VGNRadio.com, ClevelandSportsRadio.com, Tumbling with Tumbleweed, which is Don Anderson's show, Tuesdays, 10 p.m. on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Blame from Born Stubborn Radio, besides helping with the design of My Take Radio and just being a kick-ass friend, he runs a really badass show, and he has some of those really funny commercials that you guys seem to enjoy so much. BornStubbornRadio.com is the site. You can go there and get all the information to hear all the Born Stubborn Radio shows, and you can look for them on iTunes. 411 Mania, of course. They get a shout-out, ocremix.org, for their music. MMA Junkie for their MMA news, and FilmDrunk.com for their kick-ass movie news. That's it, folks. My Take Radio, episode 82, for Thursday, March 10th, 2011. If you want to email me with any questions, concerns, or to be a guest, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. If you're interested in advertising with us, either via commercial spots during our broadcast or with ad space on our site, you can send me an email also at that address, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com, and we can discuss um, opportunities and pricing with regards to advertising. If you're on Twitter and you want to keep up with My Take Radio or with my with me personally, uh, the My Take Radio is twitter.com slash mytakeradio, and my personal account is twitter.com slash akuma25, A-K-U-M-A, and the number 25. If you are in the MySpace wasteland, myspace.com slash mytakeradio, and of course, Facebook, hit up our Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash mytakeradio. And, of course, if you want to catch up on one of our community game nights, we are going to probably be doing our first with Super Street Fighter Four. Um, you can follow me on Xbox Live or the PlayStation Network. It is Akuma25. Uh, the only thing I ask is if you send me a friend request, please let me know who you are. Don't just randomly send me them because it's hard to really keep track of who's who. Um, except for those that I'm really close with. So please do yourselves a favor. 
let me know who you are because I won't accept you. It's totally random. That's pretty much it, folks. Make sure to tune in next week. I hope to be joined by R.J. Clifford. We will be talking about the UFC 128 card. And, of course, we will be talking movies, MMA, and wrestling. Oh, you know, I totally forgot to talk about the iPad and the Android tablets. But you know what? I will discuss that in detail, hopefully, next week. Taking us out this week will be... Who is on rotation? Who is on rotation? It is going to be the Bare Knuckle Blitz from Will Rock. You can get that on OC Remix on the Heroes and Villains official soundtrack. Download that at ocremix.org. Thanks for listening. See you guys next week. Peace.